to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host would desperately like to cancel his loan to United Kingdom FC and rejoin parent club Canadian Wanderers, but they refuse to take him back. Dr. Luke Gledall, how are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you, Rich. That's a very nice intro, even though it feels a bit on the nose, I'll be honest. It's a little bit on the nose. Hmm. It's been a tough week. Apologise for another uh, terrible, yeah, another tough week, another oh, another bad set of recording, I guess. So I apologise for that. And uh, it's been it's been a weird rocky patch, hasn't it? The past it past has. I, I I do think um, having uh, looked forward to and uh, made made something of the fact that we were having our first in person record, we did manage to turn in the worst sounding, lowest energy, and uh, probably fairly comfortably, you know the the. <laughs> the poorest podcast we've produced thus far. Yeah, I guess that was probably going to happen given the circumstances, right? <laughs> I do. Uh, Wednesday, I've got to take a, a fairly big chunk of the the blame there, but uh, for for con- you know ending a week six uh, six nil under uh, ground, but uh, yeah, um, well. Weirdly, this this we're back to a familiar a familiar norm of uh, <laughs> being separated by cyberspace, uh, albeit you're uh, yeah you're still in the in the UKKR. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's well we should we should talk about the the week that's been. Mm-hmm. I guess it's what that is our want. It's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once the the main theme for today, and and uh, we'll 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 get into it in great detail. But we have watched uh, the Robbie Savage headed <laughs> documentary, Making Macclesfield FC. Uh, so um, we'll we'll get into that in detail uh, once we've once we've covered the the emerging news stories. But if you don't want that spoilt, I would say probably go and watch that and then come back and listen to the episode. We're going to go into a bit of detail and and cover it over. Um, But I think worth the the watch probably on uh, on balance for for folks who are on the fence. Without giving spoilers away, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's do the news now. Breaking hoo-hoos. Hoo-hoos to be broken. And I think probably the biggest... Story is uh, is the Corbino body blow. Uh, Theo Corbino has cancelled his loan at Sheffield Wednesday and pitched up at MK Dons. And what true? Yeah, sorry. You can please please carry on. I apologize. Well, it's not just the fact he's gone that's disappointing. That there was some foreshadowing of that maybe happening, uh, but also. Mm. The the um, the person who looks after the loaned out players at Wolves uh, saying he had a good experience on Sheffield Wednesday, but he now has the opportunity to go to MK Dons and get some regular game time uh, until the end of the season in a formation which is best suited for him. So it sounds mm-hmm. like they are not particularly pleased that he was played out of position in wing back and even then on a fairly ad hoc basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> what do you what do you make of that? I guess there's a bit of preamble because we talked last week about it's um 
you know, a lot of Wednesday nights were told, a lot of people were picking up on this, the media picked up on it, that there was an imminent need for Lewis Wing to be recalled. Yeah. From his loan spell, which never materialised. He then put in uh, a couple of pasty performances, <laughs> but, you know, some some pastier or less pasty, depending on whatever whatever colour of his performance you want it to be. It was slightly more like it, but still, yeah. still not quite up to association the thing that's kind of annoyed me is like there's many things that annoyed me but coming into this the the mentality and the narrative around this has been like the narrative in local media to say oh we've asked Aaron more about the status of these players because it it kind of even though it's a season loan like Mm -hmm. it seems to come to a point where because there's an availability in the transfer window there's an availability to completely reconsider something which you've committed to a season-long loan yeah. to do. And obviously, we have a number of these players now, don't we? We have... So, prior to Corbino going, let's just take... Let's just take stock as though Theo is, is still with us, which he isn't. There's Lewis Wing. Yeah. There's Bailey Peacock-Farrell. Yeah. There's Florian Camberry, who's on a season-long loan. Yeah. Um, Theo Corbino, obviously, departed yeah. now. And is there another one as well? Am I drawing a blank? And, Shadipo? Shadipo, yes. Yeah. Shadipo, yep. So there's a number of options there. Mm. And the real real kick in the neck is, is to talk about this as though we just don't know. Like it's something out of our control and yeah. something that can be done and engineered because the parent club has better ideas, better aspirations for them. So the real kick in the, the neck is with this is the first thing to say was to say, oh, it looks like we've confirmed one of those players, and it's Lewis Wing, mm. who's arguably one of the worst ones there, one of the more disappointing ones um, that we can think about. Yeah. I was just thinking, I, I was thinking, I wonder if part of the reason that this feels so flimsy, so even though that we've got a, an agreement for the season, it's part of the reason this feels so flimsy, the fact that we're not... Maybe we're not allowed to pay loan fees or something like that. I don't know. You know, like we know that we're mm. only allowed to make free free signings and loan signings. So does that mean we can't? I'm just thinking if you sign a player, like, so what is the difference? If I can pay a loan fee and pay a player's wages, what? How is that different to signing a player for a hundred thousand? If I pay a hundred thousand loan fee. It's a really interesting question. Like, I don't know if it kind of comes down to some concept to then say there's a certain degree of loan fees that we are going to, or loans that we're going to be gazumped on. Well, because we're almost putting ourselves putting ourselves in the window for this to happen. But then we um, had some eye-watering figure with Bailey Peacock Farrell, weren't we? We we were the ones that were happy to pay. So like 1.3 million or something. Do you remember there was some talk of that Nixon uh, when he signed? And- yeah, there was, and such such to the tune and such the idea that I never thought that this would be any degree or any idea of a a possibility of mm. this happening. So that's it's all very strange. I mean, we'll never have a full idea and a full picture of what's going on. Um, but again, disappointing to go back to 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 Corbino leaving. To come in to say that basically one of our worst loan signings, like, oh, no, he's still going to be here. And then basically give an overarching question on the rest of these players is is bad to start with. And then it gets worse by the fact that 
It's not even like Corbino was doing. Corbino did pretty well for us. I think we can comfortably say he's probably in the top five players in the Sheffield Wednesday squad. Yeah, I and think, I do think that's fair. Yeah, we don't fully know the full picture of what's going on, but it seemed kind of baffling why he didn't get more appearances for Sheffield Wednesday. I think holistically, I think that's something conservatively. I think we can agree. I I don't know how much there is to do as a complete meltdown in the process of talking about this. Um, it seems like it's gone to the nature of what happens on social media with fans having having a meltdown because it's such a bad situation and because uh, Darren Moore's really not endearing himself to supporters right now. I suppose that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if this is being given the fact that we, you know, he is not anybody's favourite person at, at Sheffield Wednesday right now. Um, whether this isn't this is being used as a bit of a stick to beat more with when when maybe this just comes down to as so many things in football it's just cold hard capitalism like if we are a club as a club are not able to pay a loan fee and mk dons have gone he looks all right we'll give you some money as a loan fee it's very possible Wolves have just gone all right fair enough yeah we'll take him back from there where we're not getting anything for him and we'll get something for him he's done enough he's played well enough to have caught attention of people that's Mm. that's obvious so um it might it, it, it might be we're just we've had no say in this I mean obviously that then comes back to Chancery and the mismanagement of the club long term, but in our position, it's not the fact he's not played. It's not the fact he's played out of position. Um, I mean, I, I do think one of Corbino's best games was against MK Dons when we absolutely battered them. Um, yes. So I don't know. I know he's not playing winger. Wing back is different. He was hardly doing lots of defending as a wing back. He was mainly just playing as a winger for us, wasn't he? I think most of us yeah. would like to have seen more of him. I think it took too long for him to play. And then <coughs> even when he came in and starred, he didn't get quite the performances we all would have liked. But then he's also been fairly disappointing at times, which is fine for a young player. But he's not. He's turned in the sort of performances where you sort of think, well, maybe he's not good enough to start every week. Um, I, interestingly, I don't know whether he's allowed to be involved, but he's not involved at all for for uh, MK Dons today. So the big thing about being involved and playing, he's not even on the bench. Um, but but this is a cup. Is that a cup game for MK Dons, no, or is that just an epic league game? Yeah. But okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, as you say, it's hard to. It, I think if you're of the mindset of and I could totally understand this being fed up with Darren Moore. It's another thing to to get angry about. Um, but it, I can't help but feel <laughs> like so much in football, this is just a big club squeezing a little bit of cash out of a lower league team when we didn't have any cash to give them, maybe. Yeah, but I mean, then he's gone to MK Dons. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that's frustrating about this. Like, because I... You know, I can kind of see their argument. It's interesting you come in and bring that financial element because I don't think we've really done ourselves and Corbino and Wolves any favours in Moore's application. Um, There's some things I want to talk about here coming into the transfer window, which is something interesting. Um, But I I want to put a pin in that because I I want to come back to it because I still want to talk about Theo. I mean, this 
doesn't cover Darren Moore in any any glory in a very tough and difficult time for him and his stock as Sheffield Wednesday manager. Yeah. It's a real kick in the teeth, really. It doesn't... I mean, it's frustrating to say he's going to a rival who look in a plumber and better position for the top six playoff pitcher. And it's, it's, it's not, again, like another dimension. It's not like he's done well for us. He did fairly well for us. It's not like he's done well for us and then he's progressed to we're whipping him out of the season-long loan because we want to send him to the championship. No, no. The injury's no reason to, to be a kicker, really. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. It is, the other thing is that, obviously, more one of the things in the summer that we kept hearing was he is somebody that clubs like loaning players to. He's a trusted person. He's a good, trusted coach. Mm. Trusted with young prospects. So it does strike at, at that part of his reputation pretty particularly, doesn't it? It does completely. Yeah, none of this is none of this is ideal at all. It's disappointing. It's come at a very bad time. Yeah, like what it, what does this really tell us about Darren Moore? Is that are people? Is he messing up his reputation in the game? Like, is is he disappointed? Is this is this like Darren Moore severing a relationship in the process? It's so hard to tell, isn't it? I think that's. Um... I guess so. Once again, we've got so little real information. Possibly, does this to kind of put a positive spin on it? If we have to, if we're struggling to cut our cloth, does this does this give us some resource that we can spend elsewhere? When we sign too many wingers, I I, I know nobody's choice for who would have gone out of the wingers, Hmm. but. Does that mean we've got a bit more money for a centre-back and a left-back? I don't know. Also, as a general kind of question, like, say, here's the thing I want to talk about with, like, the local media talking about, and they were talking about um, Wednesday's projected transfer dealings as believed, as imagined. So they said we they were looking at a centre-back, agree with that, a left-back and a striker. So basically we're saying we're not doing well enough up front, which I think is agreeable. I can see that being fair. It depends what type of option and whether we can get that player to come through the door. A centre-back, I personally think we could do with two centre-backs. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, Left-back is interesting because that's something that I mean, we've talked about before. But, I mean, we brought in Jaden Brown, who's been disappointing. But when have we actually gone with the mentality of a... Is it, is it because we don't have the decent enough options that we're going to the point of having wingbacks? Or, like, like is there any point in that? Because I'm like, we've since signed... Mendes Lang's come through the door. Yeah, yeah. And also, is, is there an interesting... Um, is there an interesting backstory that maybe with that situation that um, Mendes Lang is... Was he brought in because maybe this is happening? Like, because then this is all... Or is that completely side of that because then the local media seems to say that we're lining up a move for Josh Sims. Yeah, that's it's interesting the Sims link again, isn't it? So don't, is that mm. is that purely to kind of assuage the fans a little bit? Or I don't know. Um because he's now in that Andre Green thing of how long will it take him to get up to pace? Because he's been without a club for a long, long time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, it's such a sloppy mess right now. The Sheffield Wednesday 
squad situation and the recruitment situation. I don't know what conclusions to give. No. Um, we're, we're linked with another young young centre back. Is that correct? On loan? Is it Brighton? Yeah. Is it Nathan Roberts? Is that the guy's name? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm is definitely to... something that I'm keen to. I think we're keen to look at. It's not Nathan Roberts, but it's Roberts of Brighton, isn't it? Hayden Roberts. That's Hayden Roberts, isn't it? Hayden Roberts. Um, the star are not helping with this Corbino thing. So I was trying to look. Alex Miller sort of at some point made a, a passing comment at the end of a tweet saying it's going to be a busy month for Wednesday. And I'm trying to find that to sort of back that up. But I'm just seeing that their headline for Corbino is, in his own words, Theo Corbino explains why he dumped Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a bit of uh, a bit of tabloidy clickbaitiness from the local media there. It's feeding into that that the yeah that disappointment that uh, that, uh, that the fans are feeling and uh, stoking it up somewhat. Definitely, there's a definitely, lot. Definitely, yeah. Corbino talk. Um, mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a point to kind of move on from that and talk about the other the other gift gutting and disappointing thing rather than not having a a game on an FA Cup week third round weekend, which is. Seems like a magical part of the calendar, really. <laughs> to not be partaking in this is frustrating. You know, I, I saw a thing about how, like, you know, typically if you're a club in this situation of an international break, if you're of a certain high profile, that, you know, typically a lot of the non-league outfits, you know, market this a time for people with a football itch to come down and to, yeah. you know, get that get that itch scratched at your local, your local uh, neighbourhood football club. So I think it's works up town where, like, Wednesday in Sheffield United fans, are you missing football this weekend? And you could probably tell how sensitive I was when my first initial reaction was, fuck off, United have got a fucking game tomorrow, bastards. Uh, Just can't wait that extra day for the game against Wolves, either attend or on TV or whatever, Chef, I know. Um, Interestingly, Chester are in a strange position. So Chester, uh, my local non-league team, they their ground is three. Well, it's pretty much. I think pretty much the whole ground. It used to they used to say three corners are in Wales, uh, but I think they read mm. it's all in Wales. So mm. in England, there's no COVID uh, restrictions on football. Like as long as you can show that you've been, you've, you you know you're okay to go in. You've been vaccinated or you've done a test or whatever you can go you can go watch the football and, and there's no limit I, I think that yeah there's no limit on crowds or anything like that um but in wales there's no f- crowds at sporting events at all there's no pub big public gatherings so chester have had two two games over the christmas period they've had two three thousand people in the ground and um apparently this week they've had a visit from north wales police to, to tell them that uh, they may well be issued with a massive fine. So, I mean, it's sort of funny, but it's also existentially worrying for a small community-run club like Chester. Um, but it just shows how strange in this, this situation is in terms of some of the restrictions being there, some of them not being there. Um, I know that's not Wednesday's thing but in terms of going to see going to see my local club um i may well have been committing a felony to uh to to do so (laughs) 
Um, I have found the I found the Alex Miller tweet from the the January third, which he said uh, reports have linked Wednesday with the signing of former Celtic youth prospect Stuart Findlay, who made his Scotland debut in two thousand and nineteen. Barnsley and Pompey are among the clubs interested. The report says this is going to be a noisy window. Dot dot dot. So I don't know. Generally. I was I was hoping that was going to mean like we'd be busy and we'd be signing people <laughs> rather than uh, worrying about people escaping out the door that we want to keep hold of. <laughs> but there we go. Um, <clears throat> so the other bit of news is that uh, sometimes described described as a legend, uh, sometimes debated mm. whether he's a legend, uh, but certainly all-round good egg and Sheffield Wednesday personality, Lee Bullen, has uh, has taken a, the opportunity to go manage Air United up in Scotland. The Honest Men, they're called. That's hilarious. It's quite fitting for, for, for Bully, isn't it? I guess so, yeah. It, it's it's intriguing, isn't it, that this has felt like in a... In a <laughs> In a week where we've felt a bit got at, you know, we've, we've had a successive bad run of results. Um, we've lost Corbino, and the, the bully news on top of that feels like another another sort of strike against us, doesn't it? Um, but then he's under 23's coach now. He's been shuffled away into the background. Um, he's shown enough in his moments of being in the front line that. We don't really want him to get the manager's job at Sheffield Wednesday, much as it would be kind of a, a lovely thing for him, a lovely thing for us in some ways. He doesn't seem to have it in that regard, uh, or certainly hasn't managed to get it together in his several stints as a, a caretaker at Wednesday. Um, and this maybe this is a great opportunity for him to go and forge a, forge a path elsewhere. He previously did leave. He was at Falkirk, if you remember. Him and Stephen Presley sort of oversaw a bit of a revolution at the Bairns, Falkirk Bairns. Um, so it's not that he's been Wednesday without a break for this since he was a player. Um, and I think he, he had a period of managing Falkirk as well, uh, either side of, of Presley's. Stephen Presley being in charge, but yeah, well, so you, I, I take it you're 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 adding this to the pile of grievances as it, as it stands. Well, I mean, it's 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 fantastic for Lee Bullen. It's great news for him. I'm I'm happy for him. It it just doesn't feel like good timing. Maybe maybe the thing about Lee Bullen and his association with Sheffield Wednesday Football Club is that it'll never feel a nice time to say goodbye. Uh, you know? Yeah, and it it's um it it also kind of like weirdly hurts that I think he's someone who's had a close relationship with the fan base and the club, and you know maybe if some of the questions of his managerial prowess, you know it's it's probably you know it's probably a very difficult job managing Sheffield Wednesday, and we've seen numerous more qualified people fail within that role under yeah. different occasions. So I mean, you know, it never worked out that he would. He never was either at the level to have a fair crack at it or never got the look and rub to to go on or, you know, maybe just to just be honest, he just wasn't good enough, which is fine. You know, there's plenty of great people who aren't, you know, aren't fit enough to try and try and try and get a tune out of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. So 
it's also I get that you're too close to something, can't you? Like it might be that managing elsewhere is a better option for him, but you can feel it too much, you know. <laughs> Sometimes a bit of distance is helpful. Um, I don't know whether there's there's an element of that either, but mm. I, I'm saying that there's a uh, he's had did he have has he had three periods in charge as caretaker manager? He did have three caretaker periods in charge, yeah. And one of them was going well enough that there were real there were real voices saying, "Is he going to get the job? Is he going to be the man that actually gets it in the end?" Uh, I think during his second or third. Uh, stage of doing that. I think before Monk came in, there was a bit of momentum towards maybe we just stick it, stick with Bullen for a while. Oh, um, that was uh, that was peak early podcast, wasn't it? Peak early podcast, indeed. We talked about the fine taste of Bullen berries. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and the Bullen berries seem to be maybe kind of in season as long as like a uh, an Egremont Russet. For any, uh, for any Apple fans, listen to the podcast. <laughs> Yagerman Russet is a delicious apple, which is incredible, but it's only in season about three weeks of the year. Imagine someone that was, that was vaguely interested in Sheffield Wednesday, but really, really interested in apples, and you've stuck it out this long waiting for a call out of a niche, <laughs> a niche fruit. <laughs> well, maybe that's me, because, I mean, we just make the reference and make the podcast for ourselves, effectively, don't we, Rich? You've been waiting three, three, three and a half series for uh, for to talk apples. Pretty much, I do like that apple cider that you get in Canada. That's What's not that? Which one? Which one's this? Maybe it's just an Ontario thing, but it's just it's. I think it's like not. It's there's no like processing done, so it's cloudy. It's cloudy as balls. Uh, <laughs> is that what's called? Yeah, cloudy as balls. I think like every shop is, is also. Is also pronouncing it Ontario an Ontario thing, Rich? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> Where have we got to here? Where have we got to? Oh, but I, I, I was going to say one thing in one note in his favour in terms of his head, you know, head coach duties. Um, I, I know it was it was Thompson, but it was very much a Thompson and Bullen duo of the managerial people of the four different sets of. Uh, people in charge of Sheffield Wednesday last season, when you look at records across the year, if they, like, we would have stayed up if Monk had been given a season or Thompson and Bullen. The two that wouldn't have stayed up, we've kept one of them. So mm. <laughs> there's a, there's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, um, a mark in very much in his favour. Um, but he, obviously, mm. yeah, he's a hugely, I, I loved, I don't know if you've seen the video, the Matt Exton, um, yes. former guest on this show uh, put together, but it's absolutely like lump in the throat, tear in, tear in the eye stuff. Um, yeah. That was one of the extras on All Wednesday, wasn't it, I believe? Yeah. But just, an extended just mini, mini segment. Yeah, something that gives a, you know, makes you wonder, makes you wonder why suddenly it's so dusty this time of the year, you know? Yeah. Do you not? But, um, Sorry, go on. I don't know. I just the thing I wanted to say finally is like it's it's like I I get it because <laughs> Lee Bullen was kind of there on Twitter and was instrumental of like having that as a connection with the fans. Sometimes I felt a little bit weird, but it 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 also now just makes me think it just it's sad. There's no vocal goodbye. Yeah, 
probably Bullen. I, I, I hope, I, I, I imagine we must, one of the local journalists will be trying to get in touch with, I'm sure they've got contact with Lee Bullen. I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll hopefully hear something, but it's sad to, to go in, I think, as they're thinking, oh, does he still have a Twitter account? I was like, no, he doesn't, because he disabled it for, probably because he got a lot of dogs abuse from people, which wasn't very nice. I think so, nice. unfortunately, yeah. I think it got too intense. Uh... Yeah. And then it just, it felt weirdly kind of ironic that I was looking for that amid people talking stories and uh, Victoria from, you know, the Wednesday week and many, many other things uh, was t- telling a story about how she got support from Lee Bullen when she got dogs abuse on Twitter, on social media. And it just feels, feels weirdly strange that, you know, she's talking about support yeah. she got from him and then, oh, he's, you know, he's not... Yeah, not involved anymore. Yeah. Undoubtedly a great character, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that kind of founded countless other stories that people had to share, you know. So it's it's nice to have that. That feels a bit bittersweet, but it's maybe it's that's the thank you that Wednesday fans are giving Lee Bullen for, you know, some of his character. And we remember... You know, just off the top of your head, I mean, there's uh, Sid, the 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 Greek London Wednesdayites. Yeah, who was having some um, having a tough time with some mental health issues, and then during lockdown, when Wednesday were down in was it Brantford? Yes, I think Lee Lee and took the time to meet up with him, and it just shows a testament to who he is as a character that he does things like that. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, undoubtedly a very good man. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I do wonder how much he's become, because I mentioned he's a divisive figure. Somebody, you know, someone described him as a club legend. He's been involved at the club for many, many, many years, um, in one form or another. Um, obviously, <laughs> you want people that buy in and get it. You know, when it comes to Wednesday, and wholeheartedly, he 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 got it. Um, but then it's that interesting he became part of Wednesday at one of our lowest ebbs at the time. It was the lowest mm. ebb of the club. We would, we'd almost got relegated from league one. Um, we may go on to sink to new depths this season or this or next season. Who knows? Uh, we're not on a wonderful trajectory. Um, but, but it's an interesting kind of confluence of the absolute high watermark of Lee Bullen's career was the absolute low you know, kind of kind of coalesced with the lowest point in the club's history. And I think for some people, he's more of a... The fact he's such a celebrated figure is more an indication of how club, far the club's fallen than it is how how great a guy Lee Bullen is, you know? Mm. And I can kind of empathise with that a little bit. He, he, he played every position for us. He absolutely gave his all everywhere. But it's also because... That's partly because... This sleeping giant thing. I mean, if this giant hadn't, it wasn't so comatose. Somebody like Lee Bullen would never, you know, outside of a cup competition, would never get to play at Hillsborough. Mm. And he not only played at Hillsborough, he was captain and then caretaker manager and things like that. Um, I'm not, I'm not really saying anything against him, but I, I can understand if you are somebody who's memory is etched with those highs of Premier League and Cups and European football and <clears throat> before that, winning leagues and things like that. It, it's a bit odd to see your heroes kind of washed away 
and not talked about anymore and see this person so front and centre 20 years after a fairly limited chunk of success. Mm. Um, but I love, I mean, I love Lee Bullen. I, I, I'm one of those people that his his time with the club is my time with the club, really. Mm. Um, I don't know, it's just... But then I, I think maybe as a messy conclusion, it just kind of sums up oh, yeah. the... Um the relationship we have with these people that, you know, they are heroes in very limited ways. And maybe that's, uh, he is completely the poster boy for that. Yeah. You know, Lee Bullen being like, he is in these times, he's the definition of success that we've had, you know? Yeah. Which is, is great, but it's also kind of sad at the same time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think we can we can we can sort of presumably go in endless uh, <laughs> rounds with this, but I think mm. I, I it's um, it's a positive for him on a personal level, and absolutely wish him all the best. I'm certainly going to be following a United's results from now on. Uh, the honest men, whilst that whilst ever he's linked to them, will have a place uh, you know place in my my heart, my interest. Um, but it, it's definitely tinged with some sadness uh part of that's not getting to say a proper goodbye part of that's you know, a, it's an a, an addition on this week uh which has not been a good week for wednesday fans um but it, everything everybody that's left during this kind of covid period has been strange I, I just don't know what it would look like he's not somebody who's involved in the match day as the under 23s coach so I don't know what a goodbye would look like, even if there was one at this point in time. But the, the fact, he, you know, he can't. Maybe he'll come back and give us a wave at some point, or we'll get we'll get a friendly with Air United, so yeah. can give him a give him a, a good clap. Um, shall we get on to the the main feature for today? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get right into it. So as we touched on. Uh, this is the this is the break point. If you if you want to avoid spoilers, uh, this is the time to do it. Um, but we watched uh, the Ro- Robbie Savage making Macclesfield FC documentary. Uh, it's up on iPlayer. It's uh, it's not a hugely long series of things. It's just a one hour long documentary. It's a fairly easy watch. Um, but effectively, Macclesfield Town were probably one of the victims of COVID uh, early doors. Um, mm. Along uh, uh, lots of problems, lots of football clubs have long-standing problems, but everything came to a head uh, in September uh, 2020, um, and it was due to big debts, unpaid tax, and, that, and that's where the winding up order came from. So some uh, some echoes of Wednesday's not too distant past in terms of uh, HMRC being the ones to to call a halt to things. Um, and uh, as they were wound up and a, a new owner wasn't found in time, they were kicked out of the, the National League. Uh, and that happened in October 2020. Um, so, yeah, like so many clubs, having eking along probably. And then when the, when the throat was cut in terms of income coming in the door for a, a sustained period of time then uh, that that was the that was the death knell but in steps <laughs> we're introduced early doors so we're, we're we're introduced to two robs really um so mm. <laughs> one a tale of, the, of two robs 
<laughs> one of them is the titular Robbie Savage, who, for the purpose of the documentary, is referred to as Savs, uh, which helps avoid Savs or Robbie uh, to avoid confusion with Robert Smethurst, who's the other the Rob in this. And so Rob Smethurst oh. is a business person who sold his car company to Auto Trader. We find that out sort of midway through. Um, he doesn't have his own Wikipedia page. So I've got a combination of Company's House, which is very factual <laughs> and dry, and one of these Wikipedia pages that's been put together by an AI. So to give him a bit of a rundown, we, I mean, we know, I presume most people will be familiar with Robbie Savage, um, but he played probably more games than he should have played for Wales, um, spent most of his career in the top two divisions, most of it in the Premier League. I think, does he say captain six sides or something like that earlier doors? Oh, it's four Premier League sides, he says. Four Premier League sides. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you bring this because first note from me, straight from the off, we were confronted with Robbie Savage regaling the camera with his littered CV and credentials. All bringing to the fore everything we know at Robbie Savage and more importantly, his media career. He is an incessant and antagonistic self-promoter. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. His crafts at that are as bullish and as cultured as football in Korea. Already, I recall times he's mildly irritating me without the guile behind his words. If Roy Keane is a good heel, then Robbie Savage is the uneducated wrestling <laughs> understudy. <laughs> Do you know, one of the things, that I, 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 um, not that I only watch football documentaries, but I was, uh, I've been watching um, the Class of 92 documentary as well, which is uh, following... Uh, another vanity project <laughs> um, in, in the, mm. these ex-Man United players uh, taking over at Salford. But um, they they appointed... Oh, no, I'm forgetting his name now, which is terrible. Um, oh, dear. Right, I'm going to have to quickly look it up. But they, they appointed a, a, a manager for a very short period of time. Mm. Um, oh, and it's really annoying me that I've forgotten his name. But he he was also a member of the class of '92. Like he he came up through the academy a similar time to these players, um, and it's just quite funny that he's asked about. He sort of said, "Oh, you came you came up at the same time as these guys, didn't you? You you know you're linked to them." And he's like, "Well, yeah, but it's sort of embarrassing for me to be linked to them because I had to go and scrimp and Richie Wellins, Richie Wellins." is that mm. he was appointed. And he's saying, like, well, no, don't link me to them because it's like I had to go and fight for a career. Like, they they really, they, you know, they've won leagues and won cups and things like that. Don't, you know, don't don't say it was, you know, came up with them. But Robbie Savage at any given moment is desperate to tell you that he was part of the 92 <laughs> and constantly mm. linked himself to that group. When he didn't play, he didn't, wasn't... Um, he wasn't a Man United player at all, really. He was a youth player at Man United. Um, but he he constantly sort of grabs at the uh <laughs> yeah, grabs at the the legitimacy that being a member of the class of 92 gives him. But it was it was just interesting to see this guy that's kind of had a very different career and has a very different persona, just kind of going, Yeah, but I'm not, am I? I'm not part of that <laughs> that group of players. I I, I you know I, I played for Blackpool and Oldham and Donny Rovers. Um, 
um anyway so, so yeah so that, that's Robbie Savage early doors I just just for just for fun uh this I'll, I'll do the Smethurst sort of bio bit um because we don't get that much on him in the in the documentary mm. so interestingly he was a director at Stockport Town for a couple of years uh so this is not his only involvement in football although he keeps making claims to be a complete neophyte um there's lots there's there's prof a one prof one pro ass pro s m like a chef of wednesday's uh, sort of um <laughs> shell companies within shell companies uh, there's a bit of that um but this yeah that so but there's nothing really to link him to the these previous appointments so it's interesting that he he was obviously made a lot of money selling that company but the so how did how did Robert Smethers make his money? The owner of Macclesfield FC, a Phoenix club, Robert, brought the club and planning to rebuild the club uniquely. Cheshire-based business tycoon Robert Smethurst is a local businessman and a new owner or director of the liquidated Macclesfield FC club. Um, how much does he earn annually? Fans are eager to know. Let us dig into this article. Um Robert is a local businessman. He is the owner. He purchased the assets of the club. Uh, born in September 1997, he turned 44 this year. So that doesn't work, does it? Um, as per the online sources, he hails from Stockport, United Kingdom, and is part of the automobile dealers industry. As for now, Robert's wife and family background are under wraps. He is probably a married man. Um, how did Robert Smethers make his money? It's not possible to cal- calculate Robert's net worth lately. He is believed to be the richest man. Reportedly, he has invested <laughs> five other <laughs> limited companies, Pro Football Academy International, the International Academy of Football, Pro Football Academy Sports Management, Pro Football Academy Franchises, and Pro Football Academy All-Stars. As per Owler, Robert is managing director of Motor Trade Delivery. More than 59 employees work under his guidance. Um, of a, of a pool of Robert Smethurst and his dad, Robert Smethurst is believed to be the richest man. <laughs> so that, I think that leaves it, that, that could, leaves it, uh, no stone uncovered, really, doesn't it? That sort of fills us in uh, absolutely on Robert, who Robert Smethurst is. Mm. Um so my first note was that he bought the club on right move and tells us yes tells us the endearing relatable story of drunkenly on a whim buying a club for five hundred thousand pounds. Who hasn't? <laughs> I know I have a lot of notes about that. Should we kind of go through I, as a general approach, Rich? I like it. What you have a very logical and defined approach to a lot of things, which I which I do <laughs> like a lot. So should we go with that, and then I can go back to my pithy comments, and I can fill in fill in the gaps later. Um, but okay. while we're talking on right move, let's carry on. Let's do it that way. So football club on right move is silly. This is also feed into a fantasy I have. I have. If if I ever became the wealthy and clueless owner of Sheffield Wednesday, I would just wander about my dusty Hillsborough Palace in my pants most of the time. <laughs> Living at a stadium is one thing I'd like to try at some point in my batshit crazy tenure. Then I'd. <laughs> Then I'd fucking smash that cake ball record with a massive fuck off one. <laughs> I would genuinely yes and chance series reign in this fantasy. <laughs> yeah, we get quite a bit of um, 
mobile phone footage in the wrong ratio. They obviously didn't know that the documentary was going to be made of this footage um, because it's all mm. um, it's all portrait mode, which just looks hideous on a on a TV screen. <laughs> Uh, exactly. I I made a note said maybe you could have paid a mate or some service to carry a camera around for this part because this <laughs> this is great. Like the footage is fantastic. There's one part of it the ground looks like something from a post-apocalyptic hospital. Yes. Yeah. But wandering around the ghost of a stadium, it just. I mean, I did. Uh, I was thinking like it's such a wild thing to just buy. I mean, what are you buying for five hundred thousand? I guess the land. Well, that's a, yeah, that's the thing, because, I mean, you technically it's like this is what it is. And, I mean, I, I guess the, the such fascinating thing is, hence it's on right move, is like you are buying premises, you're buying land. You are not yeah. buying – there is no football club to talk of because it has since been wound up. Yeah. So it's like you are free to do whatever you want with it. And, I mean, it's, it's – it, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a great story to capture in a lot of ways for the characters and what's in it. Yeah, maybe I think there's probably probably coming with this just a just to kind of give you a bit of foreshadowing here. There's probably some criticism to be had about how that's done in mm. some ways, but I mean from the outset, this is a pretty great narrative to come in because you know you've bought over the ghost. You know this is the shell, the empty shell yeah. of the football yeah. club, and then you've created a new football club on top of that, right? Because it's that's right. Yeah, I mean. It, Interesting, like well, probably maybe this is a bit to kind of talk about here. I'm happy to go through my notes in kind of order, but there is a bit where they talk about the badge. Yeah, Robbie Savage would like a white badge. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that argument. And then, you know, they did talk about Robbie Savage was like, well, we should get rid of the 1874 because yeah, it's not 1874, it's 20, 2020, yeah. 2021. 2021, yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, <laughs> Because mm. I think we sort of had that a little bit with um, playing Wimbledon, this AFC Wimbledon, you know, the commentator talking like there's not really been a gap in existence. And so saying, mm. you know, oh, I remember when Wednesday were here in uh, whatever. It's like, well, we weren't there, were we? We were. That, that's a new stadium. It's a new club. But yeah, it's it's interesting it, when this when this happens, when the club goes bust, what do you do? Um mm. Uh, yeah, so the setup really is uh, we, we we get the introduction of these two, uh, Rob and Savs. Um, Rob on the business side of things, Savs on the football. Um, I don't really remember him ever being called Savs before, but th- that's what they kind of try and establish early doors. Um, uh, forgive me, I didn't get the name of the lady that also provides a bit of the kind of commentary. Did you get her name at all? The lady who does the narration. Well, the, or you talk um, about the person who's interviewed, who's uh, the the um, kind of Rob Smethurst right hand woman, yes, so to speak. The, yeah, so I think that's Lindsay. I think her name is or Linz, right. which she is affectionately called by a yeah. boss. So she's yeah. So she kind of gets told uh, unceremoniously that whatever job she was doing previously, she doesn't do anymore. She now works at a football club, um, and. Uh, she she provides some of the kind of the talking head stuff that tells us what's happening when when nobody else is telling us what's happening. So she she, she sort of she because she doesn't actually add a huge amount, um, but she does talk talk a fair amount during the, during the documentary. So she's worth mentioning. That's funny. Uh, 
And I, li- I like the comment about that, but I, I like the thing about, you know, you don't work here, you work at a football club now. <laughs> as though, like, I don't know, as though, like, you worked at Burger King and then your boss said to you, uh, tomorrow I want you to work at the this fishmonger market stall that I've got. That's now your job. That's your job now. Yeah. Um, we then get the kind of broadening out. We get to see the club and its place in the community. And I think uh, Macclesfield is probably, there's so many places like this, but it's... Um, it looks like a pretty close knit town on the outskirts of, or, or the, the sort of. It's they say. I think they say it's twenty miles south of uh, of Manchester. Um, Can we talk about one of the choices they made in the presentation, which is right at you from the off? Go on. Um, so I thought it was very well done. A lot of it I liked. There's some bits that I'm like, I really don't like that shot and that choice. Yeah. Which I think I'm someone who's quite kind of, I'm fairly kind of astute with kind of media and how these things are made and what the decisions are yeah. for these things. I like to think of myself that way anyway. I could be an idiot. <laughs> um, so from the off, we have um, Joy Division. We do. Yeah. It's um, isn't it? So you have to have Desolation. And that's uh, Atmosphere by Joy Division, I think it is. Silence. That one, yeah. Yes. I, I'm a man who I'm a man who really enjoys some Joy Division as much as you can say I really enjoy some Joy Division because that's sometimes maybe counter to what you should be doing. But you know, I I like them a lot and I appreciate them a lot. Um, I, I maybe need to. It, it's an interesting thing for me because I've always kind of put them within that general umbrella of Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah. You, know, you would agree, but then... So I was like, why have you chosen Joy Division? And I'm not too familiar with the local geography. And I think there's also an argument about Greater Manchester area, which is is huge. Well, there's Salford. You know, but I'm... It's, so, that, that's the kind of... Yeah, you get your Salford, uh, Salford-Manchester rivalry. But Ian Curtis is from Macclesfield just to yes yeah. yes which it, you know like in my notes further research shows that ian curtis lived there and spoiler alert he did die in manchester as well well so mm. he commits suicide at a very young age which just already feels a bit much from the off i'm like i said about the thing and i think this is something that i really want to talk to you about is the presentation of this the timing the format it's been put into the package we're given this to eat it down I mean, it's an hour watch and it's enjoyable. Yeah. But like, I'm like, I said, I know we've got an hour for something that I usually imagine would take a series of long episodes, but the brevity used here is a bit much already. Yeah. I can kind of applaud it on the positive side to say, um, like, you know, we get to the point very quickly. I mean, the first 90 seconds, we've got the setup. We've got the setup of everything that happens very quickly. It's all very... What the gist is... The first 90 seconds you're done, and then the titles are up to say Robbie Savage is making Macclesfield. Yes. But it, it's interesting with this because some questions about the timing, but I'll, I'll say from this element right now is like this being one singular episode that's an hour is a strange decision. It, it is. I suppose the other thing is you, you're left hanging a little bit in that. There's almost this weird thing. I think it's happened a lot with true crime. Is like we're trying 
we're almost running out of good stories in true crime. So you end up having stories that are like emerging and not finished. And in, in mm. this documentary, we don't know how the season ends for the club. Um, it cuts off at September or October. because <coughs> That's the thing. Is, yeah. The, the, yeah that's a big you know a big spoiler in terms of where we get in terms of the documentary but you, you're left hanging i suppose they they've got the option if um if enough people are interested in it that they could they could go back at the end of the season and do a part but two. i would rather they do because they, they seem to say that is a year in getting things up and running and getting it released which yeah. is the narrative for them but i think the problem is i think me and you and i think a lot of the people who are football fans even though you, if you follow the situation, if you follow what's going on, you would know what happens. But there's still a joy in seeing that being ebbed out. So I would naturally think the conclusion point should be the end of the season. Obviously. Because it, they, kind of, they kind of leave it with a weird, because I had the weird thing of being like, I've been, you know, until, until my, uh, you know, this messy fracas, fracker with me being stuck here thanks to everything going on. Mm. Um, I've you know I've largely been divorced from what's going on in the UK, so there's not really a great context about time because that was the weird thing. I'm there thinking because I'm think I would naturally think, oh, you're telling the story now. It's like Sunderland till I die. We're yeah. putting out a certain point that captures what happened last season. So you've got to finish the season to tell it. And it's like no, we're telling this now. Weirdly, at the time it is. Yeah, yeah because it's a year from the date. And then to kind of cut forward quickly to the end, we'll come back. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, but the ending's kind of given a, a mentality to say, like they're having a staff party. Everyone pat on the back kind of thing. Yeah. Pat on the back, but it's like, it's a year, it's a year anniversary party. It's not a Christmas party. No. Cause this thing was put out in mid November and it was a Christmas party. Now then that wouldn't be something you'd be comfortable filming because Yes, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Because of, of, ra- of raging Omicron, you know. Yeah. It's just weird. The timing of that is it's, strange. It's, the it's format package rushed. is strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's weirdly rushed to, to sort of get the, get the like, yeah, get the documentary out before. Uh, yeah. I, I suppose that the, the uh, it gives you a satisfying ending, which the world of sport often doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things mm. with the Salford uh, documentary, the, uh, the Class of '92. There's there's almost a weirdly enjoyable Schadenfreude of they're like, we've got to get promoted this season. There's just no way about it. We've got to, and you're like, I know they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same thing with the Sunderland thing, isn't it? As well, I suppose yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So you 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 get a bit of you've got knowledge that the um the players in the in the story don't have so you get to enjoy mm. that but then i honestly don't know i mean the, the one of the nice things about it being as low down as macclesfield is i wouldn't know whether they'd got promoted or not like if this was the end of the season it would be enjoyable because i wouldn't know how they'd done you mean you're not scraping the the newspaper of the non-league gazette or whatever it is for the not northwest counties Premier. Updates, I uh, I get. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, the, the flash goals where they tell you someone scored, but they can't tell you who it is because nobody nobody cares exactly, enough to tell exactly. you. Yeah, yeah. We we think the coverage has dropped going down to League One, and when you get yeah, when you get down to those lower echelons, it's mm. 
barely anybody's paying attention. Um, so yeah, we're we're introduced with uh, ominous New Order <laughs> tones or Joy Division tones. Not New Order. That's a, a bit more, a slightly or more upbeat. Um, we're 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 shown the wider community we're shown that we've got nice aerial shots of mm. um and you can kind of see uh, it's one of these football clubs that is right in the heart of the community um it's not it's not something that's separate from people's houses you know you, you live cheek and jowl uh with the football club in in uh mm. macclesfield um so we're introduced to a young uh autistic chap harry uh, who clearly lives and breathes the club and has an encyclopedic mm. knowledge of who scored when and who was the top scorer, who was the best player. Um, uh, he's, Cut him open, he bleeds silk. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and his dad. And we have like a very quick tragedy uh, element there where um, he talk, the, the dad is um, in the midst of making a cup of tea and talks about how he's lost his wife and, and Harry is his mom uh, and it happened very suddenly and and um, the club was sort of took Harry into its arms and uh, looked after him whilst his dad needed the time to mourn so uh, it's it's mm. very like snapshot like everything in the, in the uh, documentary it just you know it whizzes by it's all very we don't dally anywhere really um but you can, you do get to see i mean football clubs do have an importance beyond the fact that it's 22 guys kicking a football around on a on a on a of course i mean it does a quite a nice job of just showing you the kind of the immediacy of that and makes you think what would it like be like to just have that cut off um completely and i, I agree i thought i did a I, I, it was interesting that you made me think about when we reviewed that Leeds United. Mm. You know, take take me home, Leeds United. No one. Yeah. Um, Russell, Russell, <laughs> Rusty Crow. Um, and it, it, I think he did a much better job of in a quick pace. I mean, that's the interesting thing. Is I mean, for for a small time given, I think it does pretty well. Um, I if I was a script editor, I, I think I would do something to say kind of uh, like my recommendation would be of course the club is you know the living and you know it has this great thing but they they made a the narrator comes on saying it says you know it's like the football club isn't a business to its fans and that pissed me off from the off because i was like of course it fucking isn't you patronizing on this novel <laughs> what's that a football club means a lot to its community what a radical idea i've never heard that one before <laughs> So maybe a slight misstep in that one. I think I want to. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, so then we we speed into the the rebuild. So they talk about the fact there's mm. nine. I think to say there's nine months of early doors. Now we've got nine months. So uh, from a starting a standing start at nine months, they've got presumably a stadium which needs a lot done to it i thought i th- actually thought like the corporate mm. areas and stuff looked quite nice but um obviously you're not there you can't see it smell it whatever else um because mm. he does say he did say it was like being somewhere that nobody had been for 30 years so i don't know how that happened so quickly mm. um but i loved the passage the montage where we passed time i want to kind of go through bit by bit everything that Robbie Savage says has happened 
um, as a series of words. Robbie Savage proclaims that snow happened like it is the darndest thing that can befall humanity. Like a rejected line from Travis's Why Does It Always Rain On Me? Maybe it snowed because you're a twat when you were 17 and continuing on to this current day, Robbie. This is then followed up by Robbie's frustration about phone calls, which I get can be frustrating, Robbie. But imagine if you have a part to play in a football club, then you'll probably have to talk on the phone at some point. <laughs> he mentions tears, which yes, can happen too. Bulldozers getting stuck is a thing that is genuinely novel. And then he mentions anger and joy come up like they're more things that are clearly unexpected in the process. <laughs> were you surprised that Robbie Savage wanted a 3G pitch, Rich? I was surprised, yeah. Is that not bad for the knees or is like Astro? Is this 3G technology like moved on? And I guess that's like when we see bits of footage. I think Robbie Savage was like blowing the, was he blowing the rubber off the yes, lines? Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to figure yeah. out what he was doing because they were like, they showed that clip of him, like even Robbie's getting involved yeah. kind of thing. Um, and he had a leaf blower and I was like, what is he doing with that? What is, <laughs> that's not going to help. <laughs> but it does have a it does have a role in cleaning the clear, clearing up the white lines around the pitch. Um, I think it's a little bit better, but it's it, the interesting thing with that is that obviously it, there's a certain level where you're not allowed to play on three G pitches in English football as well. Mm. I don't know where that kicks in. I don't know whether it's league and not non league. So interestingly, that's like a short term thing. Well, it is that's an expensive short term option in a way. But then, Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the reason why. But then he also said they that, that, that it's gonna obviously it doesn't wear in the same way. And he he said that they would expect mm. to make around two hundred grand from the pitch per season. So that's presumably loaning it out, renting it out to people. So I don't know whether they're doing like right. five and stuff. Um, we had another note from this, which is uh, Robbie Savage was saying he was getting calls, phone calls in the middle of the night about the pitch. <laughs> That was pretty funny. I mean, I, I'll be honest, Rich, if in carrying on with my Wednesday fantasy, I don't think I'd be uh, taking calls in the middle of the night as a Wednesday chairman about the pitch. I mean, if they did, Rich, and it'd wake me up, I'd just uh, get out, look out the window of my uh, my commercial box I'd been living in to, uh, you know, turn on my turn on the lights of the pitch and just have a little look at it and be like, yeah, looks pretty lush to and me. call it Rob and go, still green, Rob. It's still green. Still green. I also love that thing about the 200 grand money that he made because the joy of Rob's income getting spent by Robbie Savage on a first team is great. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, those football teams are terrible, aren't they? Spending all that money that you imagined for someone to attend, attend an empty pitch. I feel like I shouldn't say this out loud too much as it might give uh, Mr. Chancery some ideas. <laughs> well, you said you loved going to Hillsborough. So that's all we do now is you just pay to get in. And there's no football. Yeah, so the concourse and corporate areas also get gutted along with the pitch being completely pulled up and uh, relayed as a as a three G pitch. So interesting. I thought I thought that's where the Rob Savs thing came in. I thought it was Rob Smethick Smethurst who'd asked who'd insisted it be a three G pitch so that it became something that he could, along with the gym, presumably make money out of. Right. Right. Okay, because that's that's an interesting point. A bit later, we can, I'm just going to throw it around a bit here. Like they were talking about 
the player demands because one of the players demanded a free pass for the gym. Yes, yeah. <laughs> which they thought he, he was kind of against. And I'm like, I don't know. I think that's... Yeah. I don't think that's too bad a demand. Um, yeah, I know. I know. It, 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 so it's interesting. It was interesting to actually get some... It, there's a little bit between here and there, but it's interesting to actually get some figures in terms of what players are on at that level. Um, mm. First off, we were introduced to Bob, a fan-turned-comms director. Um, it's Bob, who, okay. Who we never see again. And... <laughs> <laughs> and the magic man everyone refers to him as the magic man uh he is a player uh, a former player now turned player manager danny whittaker uh, mm. the magic man someone who i thought sounded like he'd have like a career i would have heard of <laughs> yeah. i was expecting to google him and be like oh it's that guy it's but that genuinely now <laughs> pretty much nearly all his professional footballing career at macclesfield town pretty much yeah he um and also, he's 41, and he's a very, bless him, he's a very strange-looking gentleman. Yeah, it's complete. I, 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 I wasn't on the eyebrow watch, but is he completely bald? Like, Seems that way, yeah. Yeah, I think I think looking at a picture of him now. But so, I mean, in a generous way, it did seem like he seemed like a great guy and he, someone you really want to pick up to be that link that I think they talked about between the old club and the new club, like a fabric of the club and the community. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. really interesting segue. We're talking about Danny Whitaker, where I loved the bit where they they redid Bar Twenty Seven, and that's uh, the old man fan Ken yes. came into the bar, and then they said, they, you know, they kind of made a reference to, you know, if if Danny Whitaker doesn't do it, then he might be fired if things go badly. And a gigantic pause before Ken goes, "Oh dear, oh dear." <laughs> a little sup on his free whiskey. <sighs> yeah, he's. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I found that a bit. I suppose this is very Robbie Savage, but <laughs> you do get a lot of Robbie. Like you, you see all the well, not all the sides, but you'd see quite a lot of Robbie Savage's kind of edges. I think um, mm. money is one of those areas. He's definitely got that kind of pretty gauche kind of way of talking about money um, and sacking people. He really, he, he makes a couple of references to sacking people, um, yeah. which I don't know, is slightly <coughs> uncomfortable. Maybe that's the kind of Brit in me. I don't know. I know North Americans are a bit more comfortable talking about like how much people earn and stuff like that. But um, uh, yeah, just a bit, there's just this two, two or three moments where it's like, you could tell the other people around him were a bit uncomfortable with the way he was talking. Um, and that yeah. in particular, that old guy was sort of like, he's, he was, yeah, he was making a joke about sacking him. And that old guy did not, wasn't really on board with the humor of someone losing their job and particularly, presumably a sort of beloved figure at the club. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but it was a slightly odd. Um, but yeah, as you say, he seems seems like a decent chap, uh, Dan, Danny Danny Whitaker. Um, everyone calls me Big Jim, says the man that apparently everyone calls Jimbo. <laughs> I I really like Jimbo for the sheer fascination with you know, like as they put out and kind of littered this narrative around. I mean. They do litter some very strange little pieces in here, which I'm sure there'll be another piece that comes up that kind of just are funny or kind of weird. Yes. And like, but Jimbo is a great and lovingly made out to be some kind of benevolent troll 
who comes in the lease of the club. Yes. Yeah, but he's just... He's, the, yeah, um, the, Smethurst sort of says, um, oh, yeah, I was just watching at the ground one day and there he was in a little room eating a pie. A little little shed next to the uh He was living the, the ground. adult dream of just... I know. Stadium, presumably. <laughs> I was really happy for Jimbo for a number of reasons. I'm happy for the man that the club and the work he's doing is better for him than daytime television. <laughs> so yeah, sixty years as a fan volunteer and now a member of staff, and again, um, uh, the the kind of classless uh, Robbie Savage says he's now one of the highest paid players, uh, highest paid people at the club, which makes makes Jimbo slightly uncomfortable, but he does he does sort of laugh through it. <laughs> well, Jimmy being paid by Robbie Savage. Mm. <laughs> but the, we then see Robbie Savage uh, with on a, with a whiteboard, and he's looking at where the uh, the wage budget would be spent. So he picks out key players where you would spend the high, the big money, which is three hundred and fifty pounds per week, um, and then other players it was sort of one hundred and fifty or two hundred per player. But it's just sort of interesting that so that that gives a playing budget of around two hundred thousand um, if you do, do the first team and the subs. So it's sort of interesting. So even at that semi-pro level, there's a presumption that people will also have a job on top of playing football. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... It's terrible money if you're a striker. It's what, sir? It's not, it's not, I mean, it's not a bad, it's not a bad, you know, as I say, if, if the presumption is you'll also be like, you'll have another job, £350 a week for kind of doing your hobby that you train a couple of days couple of nights in the week and play a game every now and then. It's not bad. It is if it's that, but I mean, it's also a weird thing to say. I mean, we never really get the insight into what the kind of commitment is, how that kind of works, and then what the expectations are for that. I mean, if that's the case, then I mean, but obviously at that level, you're going to have to, you're going to have to balance that off against whatever your job is or career, however you want to look and think about that. You know? I, know, I know Chester. They're they're a they're a mixed model. So they've got some pros and some amateurs, and they train Tuesday, Thursday, play Saturday, uh, or sometimes play Tuesday. Um, so mm. that's, that's the uh, the commitment is a few a few hours on two weeknights, um, by and large. But who knows? Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> interesting. Because I mean, I, I it's kind of a weird thing. Like I don't. We don't really get any insight to that. I mean, that's no. something I'd love to know more about. I mean, this is the shame about this thing being one episode now along. No, exactly. There's it's, no chance it's, to it's scratch into stuff. this. Robbie Williams is a sorry, Robbie Williams. Well, Robbie Williams is as well, but is a strange character. But so is so is Robbie Savage. <laughs> um, Robbie Savage is a strange character because I mean, it, it's like he's kind of someone who's kind of a you know his character and his brashness has led him to obviously his media career. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of that Jeremy Clarkson type thing that he's a polarizing figure, but I don't know many people that seemingly like Robbie Savage. No. I know more people that seem to like Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, he's obviously but done obviously there is... well. Like he's turned a middling career and a haircut into, yeah. Yeah. into a pretty lucrative post-playing uh career for himself. Media uh, career and a pretty 
Media. Pretty longevity in media career, like to be honest with you. And as I said, there's quite a lot of mileage in it. Absolutely. And he's someone who clings to legitimacy that he didn't really earn in his playing days. Um, I remember yeah. I remember a few years ago him sort of being so adamant that he could he could when this was um I think this was Wales, it was maybe when Wales were in the Euros, but he was so he was trying so hard to sort of say he he knew what they were experiencing, even though he'd never been to a tournament himself. Oh no, it was it was England. England had failed at a international tournament and people was I think people were saying like he was saying oh I've done two games back to back away I've done that time away from my family I've played in the biggest games for Wales I, I, I played Italy yeah. and it's like yeah none of that's the same though uh, but but he rather yeah. than sort of say what well, doesn't I don't know it, it's weird isn't it because I think where does your legitimacy as a commentator come from because I don't think I think if you have that natural gravitas, nobody questions where your legitimacy comes from. Um, but he doesn't really have that. He doesn't doesn't scream competency in that way. Um, so therefore, he kind of ends up clutching at these straws to try and justify his position. It's it's in, yeah, it's strange. Um, I also thought he's and I maybe knew this anyway, but. He's remarkably thin-skinned. For someone who's such an avowed sort of banter merchant, he's very much on a knife edge with criticism. Um, like he turns mm. up in an away ground. I'm skipping ahead a fair amount here, but he turns up at an away ground mm. and, and the, the guy sort of says, oh, would you like a, a programme, Mr. Savage? Would you uh, Would you like a, a Bovril, Mr. Savage? Oh, would you, could you lend us a tenner or something? It makes some reference to the money. Like, how much money have you got, Mr. Savage, or something he says. And he's like, how, what, what do you mean, money? I don't, how do you know it wasn't this? And, like, and it was so, yeah. it was a very light bit of, like, interaction the steward was trying to have with him. And he just went, jumped down his throat. I think he kind of rolled it back from there. But it, it, I don't know, it's just strange to be... I, he wouldn't be the first person who who can give it out and not take it, but he very much seems that sort of character. It's all he's very much of that ilk, yeah. But it's Savage having his fun, but he doesn't really have any room for fun being taken at himself. And there's a later bit with um, with Jim Bob or Jimbo, uh, Big Jim. Um, mm. He's sort of sat saying. Oh, Savage, he, 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 he tells him to be the manager and then he goes in and does his job for him. Um, and presumably Savage was in earshot. I don't know whether he was like a producer on the show or something like that. I didn't pay attention to the uh, the end credits. But you, Robbie Savage is like, what are you saying? You're saying, I, you're saying I, I get too involved, are you? Like, and again, there's an aggressive tone to I think, again, Jim, Jimbo's just a nice enough character to easily diffuse it. But it was an awkward moment. Oh, and and again, so it was at odds with something that was done very much out of jest and in a kind of charming shrug, shrug of the shoulders way, just suddenly became a, a sort of very serious kind of accusation. And it just, it, it, as much as you, you're being painted a picture of Robbie Savage, the man, uh, I think it's one of, there's definitely, there's definitely that edge to him. He doesn't like being the butt of the joke. Mm. Um, when, but but loves loves a bit of joke when it's his own when he's telling someone he's going to sack them. That's hilarious, but <laughs> don't come for him. It's it's so weird because I think the format doesn't do Robbie Savage any favors. No, like there's a bit near the beginning where you know he goes in and we meet the working staff, mm. and 
and his interactions with the working staff are not fun to watch. You, you've got you've got a, a head. Oh, <laughs> really lame banter. But I was like, I'm like, I know there's a degree of like discomfort around having a documentary team rock up. Yeah, and. Rob Smethers does very, very well with that. I think presents himself exceptionally well. He does. We also get the backstory because we don't know who Rob Smethers is. Yeah. To know his story. And yeah, it was really nice to meet him. And he seems, seemed like, you know, he's someone who has his weaknesses and his foibles, which are more charming to us as a listener. Mm. I, I thought it was a bit disappointing we didn't get any of that from Robbie Savage. Like, it's just taken as a granted that we know who he is. I guess we're watching a program that's called Robbie Savage making. Yeah, but then like we, the like if I was part of that documentary, if I was commissioned to do this, yeah, like I, the, the thing I want to know is like I I still have no reason why Robbie Savage has done this. Yeah, not the documentary itself, but why fundamentally he's getting involved with Macclesfield Town. Yeah, like like why? I mean, he knows he knew he knew he knows Rob Smethurst. Obviously, to get to such a, yeah, yeah, such a that's... prime position to be called Sav or Savs or whatever it is, <laughs> but like it, to be yeah, like, I never got any great what his motivation. Rob Smith is. Yeah, yeah, I never got any great motivation. Like I, I can imagine, like I'm, I, I have to kind of scratch under the surface to imply any decency for him <laughs> as a person. You know. I mean, he's being a bit like we talked about him being uh, right from the off, being this antagonistic cartoon wrestling heel. Yeah. And there's a degree of him winding people up, which I think is naturally just his personality. Yes. But I, I imagine he must have some degree of um, self-awareness to know do you, do you who wonder, he is. Do you, do you wonder if, I mean, certainly when I heard about him getting involved, so before there was a documentary, when I when I heard the sort of vague news that he was getting involved at, at Macclesfield, I did sort of think, oh, right, he's doing a he's doing his own tin pot version of what the class of 92 are doing at Salford. Um, mm. Now, maybe that's very unkind of me, but I do, I, I wonder to an extent, if you, you know how <laughs> in our bumps through the leagues, we suddenly come across mm. teams sometimes that see us as a weird rival and we would not pay any attention to them. I think Leeds are probably a good example of that. Like Leeds spent 20 years delusionally thinking that they were a rival of Man United when Man United would not care. Let, you know, Leeds would not be uh, one of their signature fixtures. Right. And, uh, and then, but carrying on with that delusion, I don't think they see that the team at Sheffield Wednesday is a rival to them. Probably, probably we're the other side of that delusion, aren't we? That that's a big game for us, but they they probably don't care as much, um, mm. or certainly don't at this. You know, it's not something they're thinking about. They're not spending much time thinking about Sheffield Wednesday, whilst some of our fans are still kind of gnashing their teeth about Leeds and what's going on at Dirty Leeds. Um, <clears throat> but I wonder, which if- is true, because I mean that was funny because I went up to see a friend of mine in Leeds, right, and uh, it. Uh, it, it rankles me walking around the place and seeing seeing murals committed to Calvin Phillips and Bielsa and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you know, my friend, my friend Simon jokingly said we could go to Leeds United shop if you want, Luke. <laughs> and I said, "What well, to to get a to get a Bielsa bucket or something?" Uh, <laughs> but for, you get go to they're right next door to KFC. You can get a Bielsa bucket full of chicken if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, stick with my old woolly bucket, thank you. 
but I, I wonder if part of the kind of to cast him as a as a vaguely tragic figure, I wonder if Robbie Savage sees Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, the Nevilles as his peers in a way that they would never see him mm. as a peer of theirs. And yeah. I, I wonder if getting involved at Macclesfield is like, well, yeah, that's the sort of thing guys like me do because that, that they've got yeah. their club and I'm doing... It's a similar yeah. kind of like down at heel, outskirts of Manchester, you know, like this, you, you could very easily make that case. I'm not saying that's absolutely what it is, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some level of why he's, why he's there is that. Um, we, well, like, is it, is it, is it because genuinely he's someone who has, is it for those reasons? Is it because he might genuinely turn around and say, no, I'm a, you know, this is my way of giving back to football. Like he doesn't have a connection with Macclesfield. No, he did not as far not as not as far as we know, or he met, or he felt the need to mention. Mm. Um, Very strange. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's odd. Um, he might live in Cheshire, and not be that far away from from Macclesfield, mm. <laughs> possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, so so that we. Uh, th- so they've got nine months to 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 sort out the stadium, but they've also got no players at this point. You know that they, they have they're, they're a brand new football club. Um, so mm. they they host a trial day. They have an agency uh, bring a team of players, and presumably they have people who just t- they they had an open invite for the other team of players. Um, uh, they don't really explain where the other team came from. Actually, I'm just thinking now. I'm wondering if it's the players that were played for Macclesfield previously. Um, he, uh, Robbie Savage, isn't there for that day. Uh, it feels like something he should yeah. be there for, but he's doing TV that day. Um, uh, to the point where Smethurst calls him and he says, "Where are you?" And he says, "I'm on TV." Uh, which I imagine Robbie <laughs> Savage answers his phone to say almost all the time. Just Hello, I'm on you. TV. Hello, I'm on the radio. <laughs> it's funny though that they invite a team put together by an agency, um, and then later moan about the fact that these the players at this level have agents. It's like, well, sort of feels like you made your own bed there a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we, yeah, we get to see that new Swish bar. Um, uh, the Robbie Savage christens the sound system with a god awful remix of uh, the the, the um, Cool in the Gang's celebrations or celebrate. Um, <laughs> so we get the everyone around the world. Come on again and again yeah, and again for a big beat. Um, few comments here. Why is it called Bar Twenty Seven? An explanation would be nice. Yeah. Also, the font on the outside, you can see from the ground, because you you see they do a tracking shot yes. going through, you know, going along there. And I saw the font for it, because they have different fonts. It's not consistent with the branding. No, no, no. Which, uh, which I'm a little bit frustrated about. Very hard but to But then, read. like, the font, it was hard to read it. Like, it said Baby Sham. Yeah. But, like, why is it, why is it doing that? <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed them sitting around talking about assembling this team, like... It was like Rich that they they were told they had to cater for a giant wedding, and they all had no experience and background in that. <laughs> they all sounded incredibly overwhelmed, which I imagine I would if I was a football person. But I thought it was funny that, like, you know, Rob Rob Smethurst has got that resignation because he will he has admitted 
you know, on camera, like he's not a football man. Yes. But then Robbie Savage seems that way as well. Yeah. And so does like, I felt for the poor Danny Whittaker in that situation. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause they seem to be like putting some pressures on him, didn't they? Yeah. They're all kind of passing the book as to who should be doing this <laughs> in that conversation. It wasn't a good look. I'll be honest. No, it wasn't a good look. You're, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like just, handing around headshots uh when uh, in, in some sort of casting um yeah mm. it's a odd uh odd situation um so we're told uh we get a bit of this is the section now on smethurst and his, his background but he, he says he spent four million pounds to this point all told um and we get we get that kind of montage of the changes that are happening. Um, we also get to see the, the the very dark and serious gym that's been built uh, over two levels. Um, and then Rob starts giving out numbers. So um, the costs of running a football club. And again, this is not, it's an, it's an interesting insight because I, he talks about having a doc, you've got to have a doctor on site for the matches. So that costs 6,000 a season. Um, stewards, mm. stewards cost 4,000 per game. Um, it's three and a half. Wow. A month on cleaning um so yeah so that's interesting just in terms of those are the the outgoings um I, yeah i was blown away by the uh the stewarding figure <laughs> especially considering that, that later, is on, later on they have some issues where you sort of think they're maybe not getting their money's worth <clears throat> um we see rob driving around in his car he talks about how um it sounded like he was almost at the point of bankruptcy or maybe he was declared bankrupt at some point um, and then bailed out by uh, a, a bit of help from the bank of mum and dad um, and eventually got to the point where he sold this this website or company to Auto Trader for, for £20 million. So he is someone who is not yet 50, who is effectively retired. Um, he's got all the money he needs for the rest of his life, uh, which it's a nice spot. It, it sort of reminded me of um, our own Lee Strafford in a way, you know, a young, mm. a young man, but then he didn't make anywhere near as much as the 20 million, but a young man with a, a whole life ahead of him, but possibly doesn't need to work anymore. So it's a it's a very nice position to be in where you do something that you want to do instead. Um, you know, lucky, lucky so-and-sos. Um, first game, suddenly there's a lot of people in the dressing room they don't they didn't really go into that process of signing players but there's an awful lot of players there um a win in the first game and a decent uh, crowd too uh, savages I, I just this is where i put uh, that that's where i mentioned about him uh, having the standoff with the steward at the first away game um they they the away game uh, savage takes it upon himself it seems but then later we're told he was invited to by Whitaker to come into the dressing room and just give off just super aggression, like super aggro, yelling, screaming, um, the sort of things we see often in these football documentaries and doesn't seem to produce any sort of result. Um, you disgraced yourself. You need to sort yourself out. You need to, you know, this sort of stuff. Um, and he manages to turn, helps to turn a three, two lead at halftime into a four, four draw. <laughs> Um, he piles on more at full time. Uh, he also, we then see him sort of running down the gantry at home games and shouting, pull, pulling out individual players, telling people where to stand. And that leads to the bit where Jimbo says, oh, you know, he's employed a manager, but he wants to do the job himself. 
So, yeah, interesting. Interesting. Um, we are reassured that he's been asked for input and help by the management team, but it doesn't look great. The director of football inserting himself, and he he says that he texts uh, Rio Ferdinand. Uh, to see what he would do. And Rio Ferdinand said, well, if if the director of football came into my dressing room, I would shove him out and close the door on him. <laughs> yeah, and that bit is also strange because they seem to, Rio seemed to must have visited at some point. So we had the worst shot of Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. When Rio Ferdinand's mentioned. And I was like, oh, we're going to talk to Rio Ferdinand now. I was like, no. Nope. <laughs> no, very strange. Yeah, that was a bit odd. So Rio Ferdinand will be someone that works with him on the BT team, uh, hence him being a, a contact in this context. Um, later on, Robbie's on the pitch. <laughs> with a, There's a flare-up on the byline, and uh, yeah, Mr Savage can't can't help himself. He uh, He's right in the pitch in the middle of things. Again, super aggro. Um and then he, then him and Rob take it upon themselves to fix a problem in the stands. There's there's fans fighting in the stands. <sighs> it's just bizarre. It is an interesting thing with the lower lower leagues that there there is no real segregation. They they do tend to be mm. undistributed. Um, and also, weirdly, did you get pick up the weird mention that there might be some Port Vale fans there? No, I missed that completely. They sort of said, "Oh, there might be some." Might be some Port Vale fans amongst them. I don't know why, but that's. What I don't know whether they're like Antifa, a, a sort of scapegoat for any lower league violence. <laughs> yes, there was a fight involving uh, all of the people in the stand, but we believe most of them might have been Port Vale fans who snuck in. Oh well, society is safe for another day, knowing that uh, <laughs> knowing that the agreed baddies of Port Vale fans. But there's yeah, 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 awful, awful poor Vale fans. And then, and then, so this is where it all kind of wraps up. So the season and the ending, it all happens in a bit of a kind of herring rush. Um, it looks like they're doing well. They, 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 we're told at one point in the voiceover, they're top of the they're riding high, top of the league, they're unbeaten. Um, and then we get this, as you say, the celebration in the bar. Um, and uh, Smether says over the microphone that they've made a profit during that last month. So the the, the story we're ending with is they, they took over the club 12 months ago and within 11 months they've done the work that they wanted to do to rebuild. They've built the this winning team and also on top of that they have a hopefully a sustainable football club. Mm. It's a real Shakespearean comedy ending, isn't it? Like everyone gets married. Type thing, you know. It is a bit. It's a bit, well, this it's is, a bit neat and tidy. This is our, I guess, but that's the conclusion that I guess they're taking it to because it's not a natural conclusion. No, it's not. Right? Yeah, because that that puts us. Yeah. I think they took over in October, so as you say, that puts us in October, November to, for the the twelfth month of of operating. Mm. But it, I mean, it looks like a a very swanky bar. I mean, I I was wondering with the bar and the gym, how many of those sort of facilities does somewhere like Macclesfield have? Um, and it, it may well be in terms of a business, he's seen a bit of an opportunity that because of the football club, you can go a, a level or two above what anything that's available elsewhere. Um, mm. and maybe have quite a quite a tempting offering to, to the local community. Um, 
Yeah, any, uh, th so that's the end of my notes, really, at this point. I've got a whole bunch of pithy notes, so oh, I'll just rattle please. through. Please do. Um, while we talked about Ian Curtis, so in my research, have you ever seen that there's an amazing tweet of a photo taken at a Macclesfield Unemployment Office Christmas yes. party? Yes, When Ian Curtis was there, and Ian Curtis is warmly and uncomfortably being hugged by his colleagues. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> really, really strange. Sort of it's nice. Really strange. Kind of nice, yeah. Yeah. Sort of nice. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, just out of um, looking, looking like yeah. a, a vaguely awkward team member like everybody else. Uh, Rob Smethurst, from the beginning, he seems to make his regret known very instantly. <laughs> um, some of the, 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 the choices about where people are being interviewed. So, you know, we have some focused close-ups that are a little disconcerting of Robbie Savage. Yeah. He isn't a terrible-looking man, but it doesn't make me want to look at him that closely, and it doesn't make me relate to him anymore, I'll be honest. Um, by the way, I'm curious now, because you mentioned, I think I, I mentioned they talked about the gym, but I forgot about that being like the, you know, the commercial aspect that he was getting up and running, which is a good idea, I'm going to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, is that where Robbie Savage was being filmed, or was that his own place? It looked like some sort of cigar room in his own place to me. Yeah, Robbie Savage in his cool and crassly neon-lit gym. But I did have to pause it to make sure he hasn't built a Hollywood bowl in his house as I mistook <laughs> his, dumbbell, his dumbbell rack in the background for a series of classy bowling balls. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I'm not... I, I need you, to go back and check now, but I, I thought it looked like a different place. It didn't look like the same... I thought that too, but I'm just curious if I'm misconnecting things yeah. within the case. Um, what other notes can I give you, Rich? Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I've got notes. Sorry, I haven't got some there. That's okay. Oh, here's a question for you, Rich. Who are kit sponsors Boohoo Man? My idea of who Boohoo Man is is some type of toxic masculinity therapy service. Someone shouts at you over Zoom, belittling your problems and telling you to man up. <laughs> they're a, they are a fast fashion brand so they're kind of in tow to uh they're one of the people that sort of sponsors um love island for instance so it's oh, really interesting. interesting yeah it's an interesting uh sponsor for them to have it wouldn't surprise the... me it wouldn't surprise me if savage is maybe one of their spokespeople we get to have the uncomfortable stuff again about robbie savage being someone who can dish it out but can't take it Mm. With the fans forums, which we don't get to watch, there's no audio. Oh, yeah. There's no video recording, yeah. but we do get audio recording. Yes. Um, I was wondering whether this, like, so Danny Whitaker was a player manager. He doesn't seem to play, does he? No, I don't think he does not. play. Have you seen their recent um, squad list? No, no. Have you seen that they've got Mark Duffy? Oh right, I didn't. And see also, that. they do have. Um, let me just uh, tell you this when I look at their, their squad. They've got a few other players of note who are kind of coming to the fag end of their career, including Alex Bruce. Okay. Um, All right. Neil, Neil Dans is there. Wow. Yeah. I, I also, so I'm starting to bring I, in a few, I, few I heavy hitters. That, that, uh, obviously, this is the old uh, entity, but I'd forgotten that they were the place that weirdly Sol Campbell uh, decided to start his managerial career. Oh, really? Yeah. How interesting. 
Um, so that made me also wonder, are we going to get Robbie Savage playing at this point? I mean, I don't know. I think if you're doing this as a publicity thing, you might as well get Robbie Savage rocking up at his age, right? I'd be amazed if he doesn't end up managing them at some point. That could happen. And the Bale shirt on the wall is a bit strange. I get the idea behind it because his connection with him but doesn't really have any connections. I mean, Robbie Savage's 600th appearance shirt is on the wall. Yes, yes. Just to remind people. Just to remind people. Uh, Rob Smethurst, you know, he hasn't got the skill set developed by Robbie Savage or any professional footballer in doing the turn and applaud to the fans as they walk off the pitch. (laughs) He would probably fall over in the process. (laughs) Um, Obviously, you mentioned that first game. We get to see the real magic of putting Bursko to the sword. Yeah, there's some. Can we talk about like another pithy moment? We talk about the top match against Congleton, which is a great name, by the way. Yeah. Isn't that a brilliantly uh, like little parochial, parochial little side, little parish, parish team? What happens when the guy is taking the free kick and collapses? I think he just like tripped over his own feet, presumably to show us just how tense a game it was. We Um, put to Robbie Savage, who laughs and applauds like a child at the circus. But it's so strange to see with zero context. <laughs> yeah, I think he just sort of tripped over his own feet, which is which was very uh, very funny to watch. So this is a documentary, and I'm sure there are producers who do things like surely, like it must be produced that like there are some Congleton fans with a yellow flare in the ground. Someone let off a flare. Oh, it's all it all goes on. They're no less. Uh... They're no less passionate, Luke, down in the lower leagues. I guess so. I guess so. And everyone knows that Congleton, no pyro, no party. There we go. Well, I guess in conclusion, Rich, I think we've probably, you can probably pick up our notes and how we think about this. I just want to kind of give a final, Luke's final thoughts on this, Rich. Yeah, please. Well, Rich, I for one, I've been charmed by this knockabout cast of characters behind this non-league outfit. I, for one, can't wait for Wednesday to play them in the foreseeable future and get smashed at their place 4-0. On that episode, Rich, I'll say it now in case I forget at the time. I'll say, well, to be fair, Rich, we were up against Jimbo and Linz. <laughs> yeah, it's an enjoyable watch, isn't it? I think the uh, I think the cast of characters within the club are all very, very likeable, which which makes up for any slight grievance you might have against uh, the, the the titular Robbie Savage. Um, I also thought, I th- as you say, I thought Smethurst came over very, very well um, mm. at, beyond his, yeah, beyond his really relatable story of accidentally, drunkenly spending half a million pounds. Um, he really recovered from that, <laughs> that, that anecdote really well and uh, seems like a sensible chap sort of chap you'd like in charge of your football club, I think. Um, mm. Yeah. No, it's a, I think I'd recommend people have a, a give it a watch. Uh, I hope there's a there's a follow-up. I hope there's a part two where we get to see how things have gone through the rest of the season. Um, but it does stand alone fairly well. Um, yeah. Not 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 a not the worst thing you can do with a with a, a Saturday without football. Um is that us, Luke? Are we done? Where did you land on Savage in the end as a as the pivotal man in the piece? Well, I'm just frustrated because there's so much more to him and I don't know if there's a choice to not show more of him or not dig any deeper because of the format 
or what it is or to keep some kind of facade going or whether he is just a bit of just a general twat in general. Mm. Like I want to be like beneficial and give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't know, like there could genuinely be, I don't know, like, cause here's the thing you could do this and you could come in in a Rob, Robbie Savage way and be like, I'm doing it for the community. I'm doing it for this. I mean, the documentary draws that link to obviously it's going to have a huge effect on the community, you know, and they do a good job yeah. of painting that out within the characters in a much better way than when we talked about the Leeds United thing, because that was very scattershot looking at people. And I just didn't feel any connection to them whatsoever. No. Um, but this, you get more of an idea from it and it's even more better in tune than the Sunderland one, you know? Um, I think so. But I, I mean, you can go in and do that to do for the for the benefit and say, look, I'm so motivated to do something that gives back to football, but I'm sure he's probably got a financial view in this. Well, that's that's the fascinating thing for me. It, it, football seems to have this weird, so, or football in the football in the UK at the very least seems to have this strange thing where you can. There's a very few clubs make money at the top end things, but actually, it seems to be. Oh, fairly sustainable at the lower end it just seems to break that's the interesting thing with it so class of 92 they take over salford and they're i think they're in the sixth or seventh tier and they get five promotions in six years but it all breaks when you get to league football because all the money just gets ridiculous nothing improves in terms of income really there's not a significant betterment of income but the spending goes mental. So then there's just no sustainability for Leagues 2, Leagues, Leagues, League 1, or the Championship. And there's no sustainability, it seems, kind of at the bottom end of the Premier League. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. Like, you can legitimately take over a club as a money-making exercise at that bottom end of things because the playing budget's not insane. But Gary Neville talks about, you know, he talks... He, 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 he was talking about the comparison of League Two to, to being in uh, the conference. And he's saying, you know, our budget was 150000 and that was the biggest budget in the league. And he's like, now we're 10 times that and we're not even one of the biggest, you know, we're still not one, we're not one of the biggest payers in the, in the division. It's just mad how the, the difference is at that stage. But yeah, I mean, more power to, to the project, you know, if it's already making... If they're already in a position where they're turning a profit, then that's fantastic. And um, best to look to them. Uh, it just seems like it seems like you'd be better off aiming to be a Conference North team than be a League One team. That would that's when it'll all fall apart and you'll end up wasting tons of money. <laughs> you can be you can own a football club and have a good existence as long as your ambitions stop at League Football. And they've got a way to go. So they they've got some enjoyable, some lovely enjoyable profitable presumably years ahead of them so you know good on them <laughs> mm-hmm. um well there you go on that note we'll um thankfully we'll have a, a game to talk about unthankfully it will it's plymouth next week um that is going to be a rude reintroduction into the world of, of league football for us uh but who knows stranger things have happened than uh than a surprise result at hillsborough We'll we'll see. We live in hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, you might be back in uh, your adopted homeland, Luke. Is that possible? I, I I well, that is the plan. I think it 
should happen, but I'm never hundred percent confident about things anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, without, without jinxing it, the, the possibility is there that, uh, <laughs> that uh, we'll, we'll be we'll be back to our familiar positions of being thousands of miles apart and um, talking about another disappointing Sheffield Wednesday performance. Sure, and then you know, obviously, the the further distance they are apart, the better quality the audio is because yeah, that's I have access to yeah. all, all my toys. Yeah, we're gravy, we're distant, we're disappointed, and that's the way we like it. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa to you, Reg. The familiar comfort blanket of failure. We will yeah. we will don our Superman's cape of failure next week, uh, I, I would imagine. Um, yeah, strange. Missing a match, but also not missing the feeling of losing that match. What an odd, mm. odd thing it is to be a Sheffield Wednesday fan at this point in time. But... Uh, mm. Yeah, best of luck to you in your uh, in your journey and ho- a hopeful journey and uh, and continued recovery from the vid. And uh, look you. after yourself at home, folks. And we'll we'll talk again next week. Cheerio. See everybody. Bye bye. Thank you.